Welcome to Let's Review RN. My name is Bryn O'Donnell, and I'm a certified adult and geriatric nurse practitioner. I work as a cardiology APN and function as a visiting professor and clinical instructor for a BSN program. This is an independent production by myself, and I am not representing any educational institution. My goal is to deliver a condensed but robust review on topics primarily discussed in Adult Health 1 and 2 and some pieces of pharmacology of a bachelor degree nursing program. Over the years, I've learned that students have an immense amount of confusion and questions when they leave didactic, which makes applying what they are learning nearly impossible to the clinical setting. I want to break down the basics so that you can continue to build upon your knowledge and put the pieces together. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Let's Review RN. Today, we will be quickly reviewing the RAS system, which stands for the renin-angiotensin-aldosterone system, and then moving into ACE inhibitors and ARBs, which are antihypertensives that work within the RAS system. So let's review a little bit before we get started. The renin-angiotensin-aldosterone system, or also called the RAS system, is a hormone system that regulates systemic vascular resistance, which equates to blood pressure and the balance of fluid and electrolytes, which affect our vascular volume. The goal of activating the RAS system is to increase our blood pressure by causing vasoconstriction and water and sodium reabsorption by the kidneys. The name of the system helps you remember the sequence of the system. Our body recognizes that the blood pressure has dropped and therefore the sympathetic nervous system, our fight or flight response, kicks in and stimulates the kidneys. When the RAS system is working appropriately, it responds to this decline in blood pressure by stimulating the juxtaglomerular cells of the kidneys to release renin. Renin causes angiotensinogen to convert to angiotensin 1, which is converted to angiotensin 2 by the enzyme ACE in the lungs. Angiotensin 2 is a potent vasoconstrictor and increases blood pressure by constricting blood vessels. Angiotensin 2 also stimulates the release of aldosterone, which causes reabsorption of sodium and water follows back into the vasculature, resulting in an increase in blood pressure. This system is important in order to understand how antihypertensives such as ACE inhibitors and angiotensin 2 receptor blockers called ARBs work in the body and in the RAS system to control blood pressure. Now let's look at both ACE inhibitors and ARBs independently and how they affect the RAS system. They work in different ways by affecting different areas of the RAS cascade, but in the end, they achieve the same results. ACE inhibitors work by inhibiting the enzyme ACE, which stands for angiotensin converting enzyme, which prevents the conversion of angiotensin 1 to angiotensin 2. These medications end with the suffix pril. So we've got ramipril, enalapril, lisinopril as just a few examples. By blocking the conversion of angiotensin 1 to angiotensin 2, we are ultimately blocking vasoconstriction, which if we remember, angiotensin 2 is a potent vasoconstrictor. Therefore, you end up with vasodilation, which results in decreased blood pressure and decreased systemic vascular resistance. Because you're blocking the cascade of the events by preventing angiotensin 1 from converting to angiotensin 2, you are therefore decreasing the secretion of aldosterone, which then also reduces reabsorption of sodium and water and minimizes the excretion of potassium. 
Now, if you remember from our discussion of the RAS system in a previous podcast, the conversion of angiotensin 1 to angiotensin 2 occurs in the lungs because ACE is found on the surface of the vascular endothelial cells, predominantly those of the lungs. This is why there is such a high risk for the development of a dry cough as a side effect with ACE inhibitors. Now with angiotensin II receptor blockers called ARBs, you have a little bit further progression of the RAS cascade. So angiotensin I does convert to angiotensin II with the enzyme ACE, but what is prevented is the ability of angiotensin II to bind to type 1 receptors, and therefore the action of angiotensin II is blocked. These medications end with the suffix sartan, and for a few examples, we've got valsartan, losartan, olmosartan, irbosartan. So with the action of angiotensin II blocked, you again now have vasodilation instead of vasoconstriction, which results in the reduction of blood pressure and systemic vascular resistance. You also have a decreased secretion of aldosterone, which then again, reduces the amount of sodium and water that is reabsorbed, and patients will hold on to potassium instead of excreting it. With ARBs, you don't have the high risk of a cough because, again, the mechanism of action is not occurring within the lungs, but rather is a receptor blocker. Now let's review what types of patients need ACE inhibitors and ARBs. Let's talk about patient education and nursing interventions for patients who will take ACE inhibitors and ARBs. So to begin, this type of medication, ACE inhibitors and ARBs, are used to control hypertension, and they're also considered afterload reducers to to decrease the workload of the heart. They're also used in patients with heart failure, so specifically heart failure reduced ejection fraction or systolic heart failure, again, reducing systemic vascular resistance and taking the workload off the heart. It can also slow the progression of diabetic neuropathy and type 2 diabetes. Now, some of the things that we want to talk to our patients about who are newly starting ACE inhibitors or ARBs is angioedema. So with ACE inhibitors specifically, we want to be mindful and cautious of angioedema. Angioedema is swelling of the tissue specifically around the eyes, the lips, the tongue, and can result in difficulty breathing. This is less likely to occur with ARBs, and if patients experience any sign or symptom of angioedema, they need to contact their healthcare provider and seek emergent medical attention as their airway can become compromised and this is a medical emergency. We want to be monitoring our patients for hyperkalemia because now that they are not excreting potassium like they do normally when the RAS system cascade carries out, this is being blocked and they are reabsorbing more and holding on to more potassium. So we want to monitor their intake of foods high in potassium, such as salt substitutes, spinach, potatoes, tomatoes, and bananas, just to name a few. In addition, we'll monitor their BUN and creatinine, and we want to have them report any signs and symptoms of hypotension. Now that they're being treated with antihypertensives, they should be reporting a systolic blood pressure less than 100 millimeters of mercury and any signs and symptoms of lightheadedness and dizziness. We also want to educate them that they should not stop their medication abruptly as stopping this medication can cause the patient to have rebound hypertension. 
We also want to encourage and educate our patients about lifestyle modifications for blood pressure management, including low-sodium diet, weight loss, smoking cessation, and regular exercise. Thank you all for being here today with me. I appreciate you being here week to week. And remember, you can always find me at Instagram handle, Let's Review RN, and I'll be back next time. This podcast is for general information review purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of medicine or nursing. The use of this information or any materials provided by Let's Review RN are at the user's own risk. This content is not intended to be a substitute for educational teachings through students' educational institutes or organizations.